Okay, Todd, when you think of February, what do you think? Leap do you like year. Oh, Valentine's yeah. Day. Yeah, yeah. Groundhog. I, February. I think it's weird that we have an R in there. Those it's, are the three things I think of. Two problems with our language, February and Wednesday. Uh, Wednesday. Wednesday. Those are the only two problems with the English <laughs> That's language. That's it. Everything else is easy. And I also have the judgment that anybody who lives in the upper Midwest, February is the worst month because we're still, you know, the Christmas thing is well over. Right. March is still not here. I don't January seems more tolerable because you're spo- it's supposed to be cold, whereas February, I feel like, you know. You always tell me that February is tough for sports. Well, yeah. I less. mean, we got March Madness, but March Madness doesn't even start until... That's my point, Until sweetie. when, sweetie? March. March, right. Super Bowl's over. Right. Baseball hasn't begun yet. So we got basketball, hockey, and... Uh, hockey. Hockey. <laughs> so anyways, you ready to start the show? I'm ready. Let's go. Do, 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 do. Here we go. My name's Todd. And this is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number, I'm guessing, 752. Does that sound right? Uh, Yeah. I think so. Let's just go with that. Maybe okay. it's maybe it's wrong. Who knows? <laughs> Does everything have to be right? Sweetie, if loving you is wrong, man. I don't want to be right. I don't want to be right. <laughs> 752, I was right. Good. Um, I'm going to tease, and then we're going to talk about some other things. Okay. Uh, you sent me an article in the New York Times, uh, and it was all about, what's the headline? You want to read the headline? Sure. Um, it was actually, it was sent to me by my friend Annie, and it's called it's from the New York Times. It's called Parents Are Highly Involved in Their Adult Children's Lives and Fine With It. All right. So that's the tease. Yes. It's it's such a good read, everybody. I'm excited to talk about it. But first, we're going to talk about your Zen Parenting Moment. Okay. I, I just decided in the last five minutes that our Zen Parenting Moments are going to be brought to you by David Serrano. Nice. David Serrano is our personal financial advisor. He's a wonderful guy. You can trust him. He can work with you uh, if you're no matter where you are in the world. Um, he, we've had a relationship for a long time. Uh, he's super smart and he helps you, uh, get better at where to put your money and how to make it grow and college tuitions and retirement plans. So with that in mind, his phone number is 815-370-3780. Give David a call and tell him Zen Parenting sent you. So you reminded me of like commercials from our childhood. Is anyone really writing down that number? But wait, there's more. <laughs> but wait, um, isn't there, shouldn't there be a link or something? It's in the show notes. So just scroll. But some people write something down. They do. Do you remember all the ads that I used to love for the albums that, you know, they would play all yes. the clips from the albums? And as a kid, I would memorize those commercials. This may not be shocking to many. What, what would, if I wanted to look it up on YouTube? Look up Secret Love. I know, but what was like the brand? Like, how would I look it up? Uh, God, I, they were all different. Um, would I call it a record commercial? Just put in Secret Love commercial songs or something like i'm sure it'll pop up somehow because that was one of my favorite and then freedom rock i loved freedom rock do you remember freedom rock this is secret love commercial 1987 that seems too late that seems too no that's it that's it because that was my junior in high school that's it loved this album If you like soft rock music like we do, you'll love Session's new album called Secret Love. love It has 48 soft rock classics by the original artist. Just listen. Who sings that, sweetie? I'm going to test you. Who Um, sings Baby Come to Me? 
Well, I got gotcha. you. <gasps> no, no, you didn't. You I, didn't. I, I gotcha. um, it's people Bryson. Patty Austin and James Ingram. Damn. Let's see how you do with the next one. That's P P. Oh, I think you're right. It was Peebo Bryce. <laughs> Thank you. I was looking at the other one. Let's see what the next one is. This is Jennifer Lawrence and Joe Cocker. Very good. Is that James Ingram? That was Sergio Mendez. Oh. But as I'm looking at this YouTube clip, the guy just went in for a kiss and, and she, she pushes pushed him, him away. away. I remember that. Oh my okay, God. so these commercials, this is one of many. Yeah. Um, I, I had them memorized in my head. So like in school, if I heard like, you know, never going to let you go, I knew exactly what it went into next. Yes. All right, let's try a few more. Okay. These songs really bring out the animal in some people. You also get great hits by Billy Ocean, James Taylor, the Commodores, and the Moody Blues. This is Moody Blues, but she just told us that. You know what this is. This is Foreigner. Very good. Cool in the game. Precious and Secret love. I don't know. Precious and few. Climax. Climax. Very good. I got it. That's Sweetie's secret superpower. Yeah. If I had to do a talent show, that's probably all I could bring. That in my like mediocre drums. Um, (laughs) Okay. So the Zen parenting moment. Okay. Yes. Um, I'm actually going to play a clip from your Zen parenting moment. Nice. And then we're going to talk about it. I can tell myself when I was younger, I'd say, psst. So I did not know that this was a song. Oh, really? So I saw your moment. I'm like, oh, it's a really good moment. I think a lot of people will um, be interested in it. And then I'm like, this looks like it might be a song. And you you hyperlinked it. Yeah. So I pulled it up. So what what did you write? Why did you write it? So Jax, the, first of all, the, I'm going to talk about that song real quick, and then I'll go into what I wrote. Um, she wrote that uh, several years ago. Um and she she used to be a nanny, and the girl that she was nannying, um, and I don't know if Jax, I think she's a TikToker. I don't think she's a YouTuber, but she's in that world. Like, she's an influencer. And the girl that she was nannying for was starting to get this, like, discomfort with her body. And Jax is obviously a singer, songwriter, you know, uh, entertainer, and so, but she wasn't famous. And she wrote this song for that girl, and she sang it kind of, you know, without all the musical background and everybody loved it. So mm. she made it into a song and it was on the radio for a long time. I don't know how high it climbed. But anyway, I chose that because, you know, like I said, sometimes when I write things, certain things run through my head and that's what ran through my head because there's these two things that are big in um, social media. They have been for a while. I would say that my girls would probably read this and think I'm very outdated so already. So this will be a test. O-O-T-D. O-O-T-D. Don't, don't say what it's, okay. say it's for. And the other is G-R-W-M. So yeah. the test for the listener is... Do you know what OOTD means? And do you know what GRWM means? Should we give them a second? One second. Now say what it is. What's OOTD? Um, outfit of the day. What the heck is that? OOTD is, um, I don't know where things start, but it's very popularized by girls in college. Um, 
girls with money, um, girls who can show you what they're wearing and go through each item. So basically, it'll they'll start by saying OOTD, and they'll say you know shirt by DKNY, um, pants by Lululemon, shoes by Golden Goose bracelets by um whoever i i don't know all these things you know and then they'll they just go through everything they're wearing earrings sometimes they'll throw in like things like thrifted these and so then they just show you what they're wearing and then they go about their day and can then, i do my ootd with you right now <laughs> let's do it ootd uh iowa hawkeyes hat because my wife gave it to me yes a rainbow hoodie because Your my sister, sister gave, gave that to me, and then I think my dad gave it to her, and it's one of my favorite sweatshirts. That of doesn't all make time. sense. Your sister gave it to you, but your dad. Oh, your dad she gave it to your. She regifted. <laughs> and I love the sweatshirt, but it actually I've been wearing my purple hoodie a lot because it's thicker. Plus, it's just purple. True. And then I have uh, my running pants on and awesome orange shoes. I don't think you'd get a lot of followers. I don't think I would either. I What's G R W M? GRWM is get ready with me. And that is where somebody gets really close to their camera and they'll say GRWM. They don't even say it. They're just like, they say, get ready with me. It's just the hashtag is GRWM. And then they start to do their skincare routine. And as they're doing it, they tell a story. So it'll be like, okay, today, you guys, you know, and they'll be putting their serum on their hands and wiping it on their face. And they'll be like, and then, you know, he said to me, and then what I decided to do was, and while they're doing it, there's they're just going through this whole routine. And influencer influencers will stop and say, "Oh, I got this at blah blah blah," you know, because as I write about in this, you know, Zen Parenting moment, a lot of them are getting sent these things, and then they're using them, and then they get paid. Mm -hmm. So it's not because it's the greatest product in the world; it's because someone's willing to pay this influencer to use it. Um, we know. That especially with Get Ready With Me, because it's it's skincare and makeup, basically, um, that this is being so pushed on our girls um, that there needs to be some extensive um, skincare routine. And this is starting at a very early age, nine or ten. Um, and then there is this like extensive makeup routine and that you don't just have makeup. You don't like go to Walgreens or CVS. You have makeup it, from a line that was created by someone who's famous, maybe someone you follow, and then you have all sorts of different products, okay? So, so can I pause real quick? Sure. Um, so would this be designed for uh, adolescent, mostly girls, right? Get ready with me? Yeah. Oh, gosh, no. Teenagers? There are women my age who do it. Oh, they do? Uh-huh. Well, I just want to go back into whatever, 1985 or 1988, whenever you... Did your process look different than what these girls' process did? And if so, how? Of course. I mean, there's a few things. Number one, makeup. Um, you could go, like my mom went to the Clinique counter or the Lancome counter, but I didn't have that money. So I would get all my makeup at a drugstore, mm -hmm. right? And I would follow what Seventeen Magazine told me to do. Got it. You know? And nowadays, they go to Sephora. Nowadays, they go to Sephora, okay. and that's a whole other thing. That's like a thousands and thousands. I mean, makeup is so expensive if it's a, if it's a brand name, yeah. right? Um, it's less about going to, like, when, when I remember when uh, something that I did for each of my girls is I said, when you're in eighth grade, I will take you to, um, I chose Bobby Brown because it has a natural look to it. Not Millie Bobby Brown. Not Millie Bobby Brown. But Bobby Brown is a, a type of makeup that I felt was, had a natural look to it. It wasn't like really, 
it was like, here's how you put on makeup where you feel good about what you look like. So before they started wearing makeup in eighth grade, I took them there and I said, I'll buy you one of these products, you know, one, one product that Bobby Brown puts out. They actually, two of them chose mascara from her, but then the rest of the, they're showing you how to do it, but now you have to go get cheaper stuff and do it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Got it. But at least someone was showing them how, mm -hmm. you and, know? And what's underneath it all? Like, why did you think it was important to write this moment? What is it about? Oh, so the moment, it's OOTD and um, Get Ready With Me, GRWM. I just wanted, I, it's funny, because I kind of wrote it for teens, but I was directing it at parents. Um, I, I wanted to make the point that I understand, because in the first paragraph, I talk about how my TikTok feed started to pick up the algorithm of OOTD, especially when my daughter first went to college because I was getting a lot of college girls on my feed. And I was getting kind of obsessed too. Like, oh, that's cool. Look at those bracelets. Oh, that's neat. You know? And I was like, okay, this is powerful, mm -hmm. right? And I'm 52. How old am I? 52. 52. So I know that these girls are not, they're not being vapid. They're not being vain. They're being targeted. So I just feel the need. We talked to Nate last week. And yeah. He talked about that David versus Goliath right. thing. Right, exactly. We, it's so easy for us old people, 51-year-old man, to say, oh, just ignore all that stuff. <laughs> right. It's literally David versus Goliath. And I think what he meant by that is there's the smartest people in the world using artificial intelligence, using algorithm leveraging devices to target our kids with messages. And it's... Not an impossibility, but it's extremely hard for them to see things with any clarity because these things are designed so precisely to help to, to persuade us to do something. Well, and it's not just the algorithm or what they see. It's their culture. It's their generation. Like their culture, their generation likes makeup. Yeah. And skincare. So you can't be like, I'm not going to, I mean, there are plenty of girls and guys who are like, I'm not going to do that. But that then they don't know what people are talking about. Yeah. Right. Then it's, it's kind of like saying to us, you know, what was one of our favorite shows, you know, family ties. Yeah. Well, I did that. Uh, you and I loved family ties. Brady Bunch. Maybe, but that's all. That was like Cosby Show. No, let's think about something that everybody was into, like maybe Star Wars. I don't know. But there's like this thing where it's like, no, just don't watch that. Just don't like that. And it's like, yeah, but everybody talks about it. Got it. So like I need to know if I'm going to be in my culture and be with people, this is something that we do. Now, I may be someone who like my oldest daughter doesn't really wear makeup. Occasionally she does, but she's not into it. But she likes other things. She likes thrifting and she likes jewelry and she, you know what I mean? Like, so it's like you can kind of have your own lane but there's got to be something that yeah. you're somewhat interested in. So I think I was writing it at teens just to validate that it's it's understandably um, alluring. But I was also saying to parents, you have to start having conversations about it, not because you're going to convince your kids to not live in a comparison culture, because they do. Mm -hmm. But you have to start talking about, you know, these influencers get paid. And, you know, it's kind of like the cooking culture where, like, you, you're shown a TikTok of someone cooking something yep. and it turns out perfect. And you have to tell your kids they did that 50 times to make the TikTok look right. perfect. They're not getting it perfect every time. And I can say that because I made macaroni and cheese for the Super Bowl and it was not that good. A little more cheese uh, would have helped. And it was the wrong cheese. I wanted to do smoked 
Gruyere. Why don't you do something crazy like jalapeno cheddar cheese? Well, your sister had a good point. She said white cheddar is mm. really strong. But I followed the recipe to perfection. You didn't trust your gut. No, I did. I, I oh, but I did? followed the recipe. Well, Todd, with cooking, I don't follow a, your gut. I don't have a gut with cooking. So it's time for you to find your gut. <laughs> I'm just not. I, I, that's just not something I have um, with cooking. Um, but I followed the recipe. I'm like, okay, this can be great. It looked great. It heated up great. And I was like, everyone was nice to me. But I'm like, I don't like it. It was a little. Uh, it was. It was fine. It was. It wasn't great. Yeah. Right. And what is it about? Um, California Pizza Kitchen macaroni and cheese. Know. They or have to give us their recipe. Actually, uh, it was Potbelly's had really good right, macaroni and cheese. So yeah. what is it about those cheeses, about that mac and cheese that makes it good? I don't know. So It's funny because we at the conference, we needed to like eat kind of on the fly. And my friend Jess, who helps us with the conference, she's like ordered all this food and she got this big tub of macaroni and cheese. And I made fun of her. Like nobody's going to eat this. And other, I don't, I feel like there's someone else making fun of her. I'm like, no one's going to oh, eat I this. Think I did. Yeah. And then all of a sudden everyone's like, this is the best. It came super hot. Super so hot. Something about that container kept it hot and it was really good. And I it know. was plain. Like, it's not like they had like spicy chicken in it. It was macaroni and cheese. Period. And it was really good. Um. So anyway, I, I liked that. I like Zen Parenting Moment. I write them. So of course I like them. But this one I felt very connected to because I'm just trying to say to parents, do your best to talk about it and know that your kids will understand this later, but they need your voice in their head so they can go back to it. Because to say to a 17-year-old, 15-year-old, 13-year-old, don't compare, duh, are you kidding me? Well, of course they're going to. And it's to. an invitation, how do we compare as adults? We compare right, all the time. Right. And that's the conversation is I kind of put in there, you know, like, why are you comparing what it, because the whole idea that these people who have these fancy things and all the bracelets and the good shoes are happier, that's a misperception. Truth. Um, so anyway, I'll just let people read it, link to it. Yeah. It's in the show notes. Yeah. Um, so the main part of our podcast yes. is being brought to you by Team Zen, sweetie. Yes. And we have a new Team Zen member. Nice. Kim from Virginia. Welcome, and, Kim. Uh, she's not new. It's Kimmy. Mm. Remember, she dropped off and Kimmy's she back, back. She, Yes, who's we, back? We, back we, again. You were like, so she, so hi, Kim, we're going to talk about you. Um, she was at the conference and we haven't seen her in a while because we haven't had a conference. And we were like, it's so great that you're on Team Zen. She's like, you guys, I haven't been on Team Zen for a while. And Todd's like, you got to come back. Yes. And then I felt bad, like we're twisting her arm, but she's back. Um, I feel like I should play this <laughs> song. Guess who's back? <laughs> Kim. I hope she's laughing while listening to this. I'm sure she is. <laughs> she's a sweetheart, and so is her husband, Derek. Yes, so much fun with both of them. I, I'm still thinking about the conference. Yeah. I just love those live things. <laughs> um, so for those of you who may not know what Team Zen is, uh, we have this app. It's called the Circle app. It's a Team Zen membership platform. It's an app with Zen Parenting Radio's complete parenting collection, plus live talks all in one place. We have all these micro communities, Zen Finance, Raising Healthy Sons, Differently Wired families. I have a women's group. Um, so what we have Substance coming up abuse. is we have uh, a micro community, community, loved ones dealing with addiction. And then we also have uh, Raising Healthy Sons coming up. 
We have Zen Talk number 182, and then you have a women's group coming up. So Yeah, and I kind of feel like the, the key to this is if you're unsure, join, and then you have like so many podcasts you can listen to, because I think we've done, Brand how many teams on? 182. 182. So they're all in podcast form, and they'll go to your podcast app. And you can search by topic, and yes. it will take you, not just take you to the podcast, but it'll take you to the point in the podcast where we talk about that thing. So if it's about porn or weed or whatever it is, you can go right to it. And I just decided, just in this moment, oh, if no. you join in the next, say, month, we'll give you, I'll send you oh. a Shafali book. Parent, what's the, what's yeah, the we have book? some extras. Um, the Parent Map. The Parent Map. A really good book. We actually interviewed her. So anyways, that's the promo. If you want a free book, I'll send it to you. It's on us. You just pay the 25 bucks for one month, check it out. And if you don't like it, you just cancel whenever you want. All right. You All right. ready to talk about our our content? Yeah, let's go ahead. You start because you sent this to me. Okay, so like I said, my friend Annie sent this to me. She knew I would like this because we have these conversations all the time. Um, it's, again, parents are highly involved in their adult children's lives and fine with it. And the subtitle is, New Surveys Show That Today's Intensive Parenting Has Benefits, Not Just Risks, and Most Young Adults Seem Pretty Happy With It. Yep. So I think the this is kind of a... Um, something you and I discuss a lot because I I was just telling Skylar upstairs before I came down because I asked her how she felt about this article and we kind of had a conversation about it. And I was telling her how as a parent, I know how I feel about all these things. But as somebody who works with parents and someone who does a podcast, I have to be a little more thoughtful about the language I use because there's still this belief, even from Gen X, um, that and maybe millennials too, I don't know, because they're having children as well, that there is this don't be friends with your kid mentality that I think is left over from the boomer era, era where it's like, if you become close to your kid, they are going to fail. Mm -hmm. If your kids depend on you, then you're harming them. Yeah. If your kids as adults um, ask you or, you know, for help or text you, you haven't set them up for adulthood. And I, and I've always felt, I knew I never agreed with that. Um, it, obviously there's a, it, there's, there's a binary here that we're, you know, trying to work within. Like it's not, you're either friends with your kid and you mess them up or you're not friends at all and they're fine. There's all this space in between. In between. Yeah. Um, so I'll stop for a second so um, you can comment. So I feel like the, um, the nature of this conversation, and I have a few specific topics or or things I thought of as I read the article, but I think that us parents think we know what it's like to be a kid, right. and we don't. And the two examples I'm going to give is as far as independence or dependence in college and all that, because we're talking about young adults, mm -hmm. right? Most colleges are insanely expensive Totes. as compared to 30 years ago whenever we went to school. Correct. So it's not a fair comparison. No. So I just want to say that. And the phone changed everything. Totally. Like our, our kids, I judge, have a much more challenging childhood because of that phone. They also get to do a lot of cool things on their phone, like watch YouTube and play games and all that. But the, the idea that we think we know what it's like to grow up is ridiculous. Well, and the idea that we are going to put our our, our values, history our on history them and say here's what I did so you should do that it's it's not it it doesn't line up it's just not the same and you know Todd you just said um 
you know, college is so much more expensive, which you're absolutely right. Um, houses are so much more houses, expensive. Forget it. Can you- Apartments, you know, jobs are changing. Everything's different. It doesn't mean our kids are screwed. It's not, it, there is lots of, again, there's a nuance in here. There's a lot of things that they have access to that we didn't. Like, I'm going to go way back. I remember when I was in my 20s and my friends were starting to get um, jobs where they were managing. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was in a total, all of my best friends were more in a business world. I was in like a education and social you know, work kind of That's world. where all the big bucks come from, sweetie. <laughs> so broke. Oh, my friends had money and I did not. Um, or they had more. I, they'd probably fight me on that they had money, but I just felt, I was totally, sorry, sidetrack. Um, I was totally that, you know, that friends episode. Yeah. The, where they've, uh, yeah. The stakes, the stakes and the eggplant. The one where Joey and Rachel and Phoebe don't have money and Ross and Monica and Chandler Chandler. do. And they go out to eat and they like split the bill and everyone's like, oh, my God, I was that person. And I don't know if they remember me that way (laughs) because I don't know how much I said about it, but I just did not. Like, I remember we moved from. We had an apartment on Belmont and Broadway, and I was like barely making rent. And then my three roommates, they were like, we want to move to a nicer place. And I totally get it. I just didn't have the money. I did it, and I kind of upped my game, you know, financially. But Can I play a clip from that, friend? You sure can. You tell me when to stop. Okay. Whoa, does anybody else feel like they just gave birth to an alien? (laughs) Yes. No. No. Uh Okay, plus tip divided by six. And everyone owes 28 bucks. Oh. Um, everyone? Yeah. Oh, you're right. I'm sorry. Monica's Thank birthday. You. It's Monica's big night. She shouldn't pay. Oh, <laughs> Thank you. So five of us is 33.50 a piece. No, uh-uh. no way. Sorry, not going to happen. Whoa. Whoa, prom night flashback. <laughs> you can stop it. Yeah, Actually, good. it wasn't Monica's birthday. Monica got a promotion. Oh, okay. Um, and and it's they, a real thing. It's a real thing. Yeah. And and it's and no one's hurting. Like, it's not like Ross and Monica and Chandler need to feel guilty about that. My friends were crushing it. Like I was so impressed with them and, yep. and loved them. It's just I sometimes couldn't keep up. And I got I had some credit card debt. Let's just say that. I had to work my way out of that. Lots of stories. So where was I going? Why did I derail? Uh, I don't know, sweetie, but we were talking about money and independence and college and apartments. Yes. So I guess my point is, is that I don't think, even though I, I kind of think about, I left college and I went directly to Chicago and lived in Chicago and figured it out and, you know, got into a little credit card debt, got my way out of that, you know, lived in, in apartments, stuff like that. It's, it, it's not as easy to do that today. No, I, I it's think harder. it's, I think it's harder. Statistically, it's harder. It is. And so we sometimes are like, I wish my kid would do exactly what I did. And they may be able to, depending on their major and what kind of internships and jobs they get. I, I've heard plenty of stories where kids have been crushing it. Like one of my girlfriends or, you know, her daughter moved to New York and has an amazing job. And you know, this is possible. Amazing job. And can you imagine what her rent is in Manhattan? It's a lot. Hey, everybody. Quick plug for uh, my friend, David Serrano. David has been the personal financial manager for both Kathy and I for, geez, I think five or six years. Um, really smart, um, and he's trustworthy, which I think is the most important piece of getting any type of financial advisor in my life. A few things he's done for me, he has helped me navigate the tricky balance between needing to save for retirement and the need to 
put money aside for my college, uh, my kids' college tuition. So another thing, he helped me find a bunch of hidden fees in my 401k that I have. The impact has been tremendous. So David uh, gives one-to-one financial advice, personalized recommendations. Uh, he's available. Um, he's just a wonderful guy. So I invite you to reach out to him. His phone number is 815-370-3780. Join the circle, which is the Team Zen membership platform. It's an app with Zen Parenting Radio's complete parenting content collection, plus live talks. We also have small groups that focus on finance, raising healthy sons, differently wired families, and I have an exclusive women's group. This is only $25 a month, and you can cancel at any time. Our motto is zero pressure, 100% support. A few other things that we'd love for you to do is follow us on social media. Uh, Kathy does a great job with the Instagram page, and we have a YouTube page. All our videos are up there. If you're a guy, check out Men Living. It's a men's organization that I co-founded way back when. It's an opportunity for guys to drop in, get real, have some fun, and just have good, solid connections with other guys. Um, And don't forget, we have uh, pop culturing. Kathy and I talk about movies, and we've done about 40 or 50 of these things. So um, follow pop culturing. You can find it in your podcast search. It's a lot. So you don't don't get stuck on that salary thing. True. Good point. Because if you live in Arkansas, you can make a lot less money and be much wealthier. Yeah. Based on cost of living. Yeah. It's all relative. So my, my two stories, and then we'll go in any direction. One is... Just the idea of being friends, being in contact with your children as they grow into young adulthood. I remember I would call my mom when I was in college once a week on Sunday night. Right. Our relationship with our children looks a lot different. Like, I don't know, does a day go by typically where you don't talk to at least one of our two college kids? Uh, No, I talk to one of them at least. Right. And somebody might be like, oh, you're not letting them be independent. (laughs) Right. And... And and I think that's the essence of what this article is. Are we doing our children a disservice by communicating with them on a daily basis? Because I barely, I talked to my mom for for 10 minutes when I was in Iowa living there. And it's so much different than the way we approach our kids now. Okay. So first of all, there's two big points I want to make. Number one is access. As you said, the phone has totally changed everything. Because when I was in college, there was a phone on the wall that my roommate Andrea and I shared. And if we were going to have like a long conversation with somebody, we didn't want to annoy the other one, right? So we'd try and do it at a certain time. Maybe it was at Sunday or whatever. And we also couldn't go anywhere. We had to stand right there Mm -hmm. and talk in that phone. Now... We have access to texting and calling, FaceTiming, whenever we want. So if we had that, you probably would have talked to your mom a lot more. I bet you I would have. So it's not, again, apples and oranges. I think my biggest point with this is I remember, you know, I used to do, I have the women's group in Team Zen, but I used to do a live women's circle, like here in my hometown. And something that we always talked about early on is I would always talk about how the work that we're doing, like where we're trying to like shore up our insides and be really self-aware so we can connect with our girls. I always thought about our generation as being a bridge from boomers to our kids, you know, generation, if they be millennials or um, Gen Zers, that we were trying to shift some of these paradigms. And so we were not only trying to heal our own childhood, but create a different childhood for our kids. I always saw us as a bridge. It was just kind of the way I saw it. So if, if, 
that's the case, if everyone can go along with me, then of course our relationship with our kids are going to be, it's going to be different. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be the way it was in our, you know, with our parents. Like we are going to have a different kind of trust, a different kind of communication, a different kind of acceptance of each other. We are going to be better communicators. We are going to be maybe hopefully more trusting of each other. So again, you, I don't care what terms people use. I'm close to my kids. My kids are my friends. I feel like peers with my kids. I think we get too worked up about you what know, it means, what it means, trajectory into the future. This is what this kid's going to turn out to be if I talk to him every day because of because of things I've read or yeah. books have told me. And there's like this great TikTok that's going around that Michelle Obama said, "I'm not going to be friends with my kids." And it's a you know, Michelle Obama bow down. I love her, so it's she's not wrong. But her point was, I'm not going to be friends with my kids because then I have to worry about them liking me, and. The reason why she's kind of talking through a very specific thing that when her kids were teenagers, she had to still be that role of parent. And she didn't want to be friendly or best friends with her kids where she had to worry about that sometimes they'd be annoyed with her or setting boundaries. And I think this is where things, we almost need new language because I have never struggled with that. Mm -hmm. Like I know that I'm my kid's parent and I know I'm the one who needs to set boundaries. I'm not worried about my kid not liking me because I've set boundaries. Yeah. I I am concerned though, or thoughtful about when I'm having conversations with my kids, I want to be curious. I want to be conscientious. I want to honor their experience. That doesn't mean I don't have boundaries. And I'm not saying that's what I, what I'm trying to say is there is something kind of viral right now that Michelle Obama said, and I think she's right. But I also think what we're talking about here is different. Well, and it's funny. I feel like you're always one being the qualifier, making sure that we're yeah, saying the right thing. Right. But my qualifier is every single situation is different. Correct. It's possible that if you talk to your kids every day that you are spoiling them and they're not going to be uh, independent. It is, it's possible because right. there's all these different parents and kids and dynamics. relationships, dynamics. And then there's other times, you know, you could take the opposite approach where you're so hands off, you're screwing your kid over because right. the kid needs a little support and a right. little bit of help. So my quick story, and this is back in the 90s, I guess. I lived with my mom until I was 27. Oh, we know this because you and oh, I were dating. We know this. We know this. And some people <laughs> be like, what? Uh, Todd's never going to get his crap together. Now, what I did with that time, because I saw all my friends moving to Lincoln Park, paying 800 bucks a month in rent. And I'm like, I'm so money scarce, like um, emotionally, like my psychology, my yeah. psychology of money was like, I don't want to run out. So the best way to run out is not to pay rent. And my friends spent all this money and they were broke. And I took my paycheck and I put it aside and I paid off my school loans and I saved enough money to buy an apartment building, which has set us on a trajectory. So I know it's a one person sample size, but I, it did not make me uh, dependent upon my mom for the rest of my life. So you and I literally had the opposite experiences, yeah. right? So I left immediately. Yep from college, moved to Chicago and got a job and paid rent and never had any savings. More typical of our More crew. typical, yeah. exactly. And then you did the other thing. And I think both of us had amazing experiences. Sure. I think that you obviously came out um, with the money to buy the building, which was, that was before we were married. I mean, we lived there together and then you wanted, it was awesome. you wanted Marty to move in with yeah. us. Um, and your dad, we had, we had many variations of we that apartment building. We should do a podcast on <laughs> 
Todd, <laughs> you actually you should listen to Ellie Solomon's pod interview oh, with us God. because we go down the historical lane of Todd and <sighs> Kathy's courtship. Well, it was just funny because Marty was over the other day. So we were talking about how Marty was like a big fight for us because I was ready to get married. Or engaged or something or move in. in direction. I'm like, no, I got to have Marty. You're like, you know what? I might ask Marty to move in with me. So Marty thought that was funny. Anyway, I didn't think it was funny at the time, but I love Marty. So it was hard to be mad. Right. I can Um, be mad at Mark. You can't. Uh, So anyway, my point is, is that I think we both had really good experiences. I learned a ton. Maybe it's what we needed because I think me living by myself in Chicago, because I lived with my girlfriends in two different apartments. We had a ball, did the whole Wrigleyville thing. It was amazing. I loved it. Then I lived by myself for about three or four years. Mm -hmm. And now in Chicago, doing my own thing, taking care of my own car, taking out my own garbage, everything on my own. And I needed that. I needed to grow up. And I am so glad. Like if I would have stayed at home and saved money, and I'm not quite sure I would have had the same experience you did. Can we tell the John Kassan story when uh, something happened to your car and you called him? (laughs) You're in Chicago. He was in DeKalb. Illinois. Actually, that was college. Okay. So can you tell that story? Because I like it. Well, we, my friend Nancy and I, we were going, we lived at the Alpha Fee house and we walked outside and both of our back windows of our cars in our part in the parking lot were like someone had thrown a rock through them. Oh, college. Um, and <laughs> I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. And we were both freaking out because, you know, you need your car. Like it was life altering. And so I called my dad and I was like, dad, someone threw a rock through my window. And I was like going on and on and on. And I'm like, and what am I going to do? And he's like, I can't do anything for you right now. Like you have to take the steps, call a glass company, you know, get the yellow, get the yellow, out. like exactly. He's like, walk through. And, and actually it did happen again. I was driving home. I was working. This was in Chicago. I had to go to Springfield for a meeting. Long story. And I was driving home. My windshield wipers stopped working. So I pulled off, called my dad and said, Dad, my windshield wipers aren't working. He's like, can't do anything for you. You're going to have to rise to the occasion. And see, here's the thing. If one of my girls called me from the side of the road, see, it's so different because of the phone, because they would so easily be able to track someone down. But I would say the same thing. You have to keep going. You have to figure this out from where you are. So them calling is a support. Us driving, you know, five hours to get to them may not be necessary. We can walk them through how to do things. And here's the thing. They've never done it before. Like me saying to my dad, my windshield wipers stopped working. He's like, yeah, that makes sense. They probably blah, blah, blah. Like he had had experience with this, but he was also like, I can't fix it from where I am. So, but you have to have an, like, I think it's just, it's, it, you know, I'm getting kind of lost in the mix here, but sometimes we're like, how did our kid not know that? Because they've never experienced it before. Well, and that is a lot of like our responsibility as parents to put them in in positions to learn things. Right. And if, if, and, and I say we, like we as a generation have sheltered them from having any type of obstacles then yeah, it's going to be a slow learning curve for young adults. Our, our hope is that we love and support our kids. And at the same time, they figure stuff out and develop their own sense of resilience as well. Well, and I'll kind of temper what you just said, because what you just said is kind of the old school thinking, like, did we shelter them from having bad experiences versus when they're having experiences, if it be when they're 5, 10, 14, 17, 18, do they know they can contact us for support? Sure. 
Do they know that we are willing to help them when they're 25, 30? That, you know, it's this paradox that we have with parenting where we'll say, um, you know, something our kid will be struggling or have depression or have something awful happen and they'll be like, I wish they would have known they can talk to me. Mm -hmm. You know, I wish, why didn't they call me? Why didn't they ask for help? And yet sometimes we get ourselves into situations with our kids where we're like, you just need to figure it out or we're judgmental or we're distant and not helpful. And we got to find a way to be in a more nuanced place where we we let them know that we trust in their abilities and that they have the capacity and ability to do things, but that we're always available. Like most of the time, most of the time my girls are sending me funny like TikToks and stuff. That's the majority. We text funny things back and forth all the time. Yeah. But when they do text or call about something they need, they don't want me to solve it. They want to talk about it. So like, you know, my daughter will call and be like, I'm debating this or this or this. I'm like, what do you think? And she's like... I'm thinking this because of this, I might drop this. And and I'm just listening and being curious. And then she decides and she does, you know, I was about to say the drop slip. There's no more drop slips. You just what, do it online. What's it? Oh, add drop? When you yeah, drop add class. drops. Yeah. Do you remember how we had to fill out slips? Sweetie, speak for yourself. I never <laughs> dropped a class. Really? No. Well, dropping a class isn't always because you can't hack it. Sometimes Actually, that's it's not to, true. I did drop a class. Now that I think about it. Yeah. And because sometimes it's to change your just schedule. Ch- yeah. You yeah. Just move things around. Now they can just do it online. But I like, it's not even about I like it. I don't know any different. Why wouldn't we be a support system for our kids? I don't understand the, the whole idea. we wouldn't, I'll take the, the devil's advocate okay. here, is because if we do that, then they're not learning anything. Which, that makes no sense. So then they're going to somebody else, a coach or an advisor, or whatever, to do the same process. Like, how do you learn, people? Yeah. I learn by talking to people and working things through and asking, not asking for advice to the point where I'm only depending on other people, but processing through something like, Two things I, I think of. You remember how Ed Bacon, our buddy Reverend Ed Bacon, you know, wrote in his book, you know, you are the president of your life, but you have a not committee. What's the word I'm looking for? A cabinet. Yep. And you look to your cabinet because you can't be an expert on everything. Yep. But in the end, you make the decision. And then I also heard Liz Gilbert say yesterday on she was on Glennon's podcast again, and she was saying how the when people are asking other people for advice too much, mm-hmm. it's called a monkey survey. Yeah. I loved this. So not only do we have monkey mind where we're like, what do I do? What do I do? But when we ask everybody else what we should do, it's called a monkey survey because everyone's going to give you back some different information. So what I, with my girls, it's less about go ask everybody else what to do and more like find someone you trust to process through your ideas and see if it makes sense to you as you get more curious. Well, and then the hope is that they will ask support or advice or whatever, and then they tune in and trust their own That's it. That's it. You just said it better. Yeah. That's all I'm trying to say is like, I am not the one who's going to tell them what to do. And I very rarely say, I don't, I mean, you could maybe think of times where I've been like, do this, but I can't think of a time we've ever been like, you should do this. No. And I, I, you know, I am thinking of one of our daughters had a relation, romantic relationship with somebody. And I just kind of had a feeling it wasn't the most healthy relationship. Okay. And it could have been easy for me to be like, Hey, you know what? this doesn't feel right. I don't think that this is going to go in the right direction. Just some of the behavior yeah. she was telling me, she was staying up all night, they're fighting. I'm like, this isn't the way relationships are supposed to work, especially in the beginning. I didn't say any of that. I loved 
who she chose to love, and then there was... And we loved that person yeah, as we well. we loved that person. And But she had to figure that out for herself. And that, to me, is like a no-brainer. This is exactly what I mean, is that for me, like that, that experience or many others that my girls have had relationships with friends or with romantic partners, I had to go through all that too. And you don't have, as a parent, I'm not going to be like, here's what you should do and you should break up with them or whatever. They need to feel their way through that. And I'll tell you something, you don't know how it's going to end up because Todd, if some, you know, the reason Todd and I always tell our history so much is because once Todd and I got together, my friends were not happy about it. Like, if you really looked at our history, it wasn't this <laughs> It wasn't this thing where it's like, oh, that was always meant to be. We had to work through a lot of stuff. A little bit of therapy. Yeah, a little bit of therapy. A little family of origin stuff <laughs> happening. We had to. And so you don't always know. So you may be like, but it seems disruptive or they seem not right or they seem on the wrong page. And they might be at that point, but you don't know where it's going to end up. Yeah. You can't be like, hey, this is a bad idea. You should break up with this person. You don't know. At the end of the day, what I think our show is all about is the world out there is a, a world that will give you the lessons. Correct. So when they show back up, yes. either in a text or a phone call or when they walk in the door. Yep. Our job is to hold space for whatever it is that they're, and then love them and support them. Like, it's kind of funny, and I don't even know why I started, but when our kids come home from school, we clap. Like, we. <laughs> That's one of my favorite When I'm things. having a decent day, we just clap as if they just <laughs> were recognized for winning an award for something. I know. When all it is is they came home for the well, day. Well, and it's our kids, but it's also like when your sister comes, we clap. Yeah, when just Jess clap. comes, we clap. And like, it's just, we just clap. <laughs> but is, doesn't it feel good to, to, to uh, be a part of lighting up when somebody walks in the room? And I feel like us parents um, spend way too much time wanting to instruct or discipline or... Or be like a safeguard. spoil <laughs> yeah. or whatever. And, you know, just if we can light up when our kids enter the room, we're doing a pretty good job. Well, again, I'll go back to what I said before, is that they're, it's not about throwing our parents under the bus. They were amazing for their generation, right? And they evolved from their Depression-era generation that their parents had. Well, that's like, what I was going to say, and I know you're onto something, but okay. how we're the bridge between... Yeah. They they were too. They were a bridge like, too. Their, their parents were messed up right. and... Probably more so than they than they did to us. Like, well, my grandma had like I, I'm going to get this wrong, but like ten siblings yeah. or nine siblings, and my grandfather had ten siblings or nine <laughs> siblings. There was all sorts of miscarriages, loss, death. They all worked on a farm. Like, it's like such a different world. And then now, right. so it's like as a as a great my like my great great grandma, she couldn't pay attention to nine kids no. all at once. Right. So then then my parents, you know, get the reins and they have two girls. So they could focus a little more, but they also, that was the era of career for women. So my mom worked full time as a teacher. So I'm a latchkey kid, right? That was that generation. Then our generation is a bridge of Mm self-awareness. It's like us realizing that communication and connection and consciousness are are necessary, not just for parenting, but for romantic relationships, for the workplace. And then I'll tell you something, the thing that I so appreciate about millennials is they're the ones who actually put things that we've been talking about into action. Mm -hmm. I will not work more than this number of hours. I want to work from home for a day. Generally speaking, they have more clear, healthier boundaries. And our generation has been like, you don't work like we do. You have no work ethic. 
I, and again, I'm being very general, but I think they're establishing a healthy work ethic. Right. Ours was nuts. Right. Ours was around the clock, come in whenever, and then when phones and computers were part of it, we couldn't ever log Get off. Away, yeah. So, you know, and then I think Gen Z is politically active and creative and out of the box. Like, and then we've got Gen Alpha who's going to have their. So, it's there's so there's it's supposed to be different and so this whole this article i was can, i was going to read you guys all the statistics because it's kind you know so, 9 in 10 yeah. parents okay i'll Just read throw you guys a, a bit few. out there 9 in 10 parents rate their relationships with their young adult children as good or excellent um and so do Stop eight there okay. 9 out of 10 parents say that their relationship with their kids are good or excellent yeah that's astounding. And it says, and so do eight in 10 young adults. And this is a consistent thing across income. Rather than feeling worried or disappointed about how things are going in their children's lives, eight in 10 parents say they feel proud and hopeful. Hmm. And I think that has to do with relationship. Because if we are distant from our kids and we're only gauging their success on, are you, do you have a job? Are you married? Are you having kids? then we're on, our success window is so small. Yeah. Whereas if you have a relationship with your kid, you know that they're going through certain things or they're, they made big choices or they're going through big life decisions and you're proud of them for evolving as a human yeah. <laughs> versus having these markers yeah. of success. Mm. And, or, and when I'm saying markers of success, I don't even know if I call these markers success. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Not that they're not success, but we have an old school version of what kids are supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. You know, like by this age, you know, I remember my friend, um, you know, we all have so many memories like this, but I remember my friend Brian, when we were 25, he was one of my first buddies to get married. And I remember at the wedding going, oh my God, because I was like just getting my shit together, right? At 25, I just moved into my own apartment. Like I just was like, oh my God, you're getting married. He's like, Kathy, that's what you do at 25. Yikes. Like he really had a thought of it's time to do this. And and he's not alone. I think that's a very common, sure. you know, idea. But is it? Like, could, do we have to do that at 25? One of my best girlfriends who I love dearly is, I just found out she was engaged. I was late to the party and she's a year older than me and she's getting married for the first time. Sure. See, it's we, this whole idea of curiosity and broad, broadening our perception of ourselves and our kids gives us lots of space for different markers of success. Sure. What does it mean to you? And if you know your kid, then that's more interesting yeah you know so did you want any other stats uh yeah i kind of feel like this was a an interesting conversation and i feel like we should quit while we're on top really unless there's a bunch of other stuff that you want to go over but kind of like seinfeld yeah good old jerry how about um have you been enjoying did did you like those clips from billy joel on howard stern I love Billy Joel and I love Her- Howard Stern when he's with Billy Joel because he's, in, you know, Howard, I, you know, we can do a whole podcast on Howard and I think he's not as crazy or stupid as he used to be regarding. He's chill. He's chill. Um, but yes, to answer your question, I love, I, I want to, I think we subscribe to Sirius XM. I just don't know. We just to- don't listen to, we don't listen to the long form interview. We see the clips yeah. and they're so amazing. Yeah. It's funny. I, I don't know why, but I feel like Dax has been talking about Howard a lot. I think he had someone on. I don't know if he had. He had Jimmy Kimmel's wife. And I, that's bad. I should not say Jimmy Kimmel's wife. He had Molly, who is the head writer um, of the Jimmy Kimmel show. Mm-hmm. And she and 
Jimmy happened to get married later on, but she is more than just, you know, that's, that's, you know, but they were talking about Howard and, um, they were saying that he kind of has to keep up a persona of that life sucks and everything sucks. And I hate everybody because he has so much now, like he, you know, he's got this great marriage and all this you know, it's not just about the money, but he just has access to so many people sure. that he he has to stay grounded somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, but that truthfully, he's mellowed out yeah. a ton. You know, yeah. And I feel like he he had Paul Giamatti on a couple weeks ago, and you know, if you if anyone saw Private Parts, you know, it's his whole history, and he was a nightmare. Yes, yes. I I had lots of different versions of not liking Howard Stern, but anyway. So you'll link to this article, Todd. Uh, I will. I'm writing myself a note right now. Okay, link to it so it's on the bottom, and I'll just read something. I'll just read, like, a few things as we're closing. Okay. Um, Okay, so this is helpful. These close relationships don't seem to be holding back young people from reaching milestones of independence. Compared with their parents um, as young adults in their early 1990s, they're much more likely to be in college or have a college degree. They are somewhat more likely to have a full-time job, and their inflation-adjusted incomes are higher, but they are less likely to be married or with children. But is that because of their relationship with their parents mm-hmm. or because of their generation having a better understanding of their choices, yeah, like what's the climate? Rush? Yeah, there's, I think that, and, you know, fertility, mm-hmm. you know, has changed as far as our ability to freeze eggs and that type of thing. And I know. I'll end on this note. It's not the most positive one, but because I have teens and I talk to them and their friends and just girls their age and my college students, they're not super psyched to have kids. Do you find that to be kind of the... I would be lying if I said that I am informed in that regard. I do not know. Not all of them. Like They have moments of where they're like, oh, it'd be so great to have a family, but there's there's a a fear Mm -hmm. about the future. You know, Gee, I wonder why. I wonder if it's because we have a trillion, however many trillion dollars of debt. Well, that and guns and, and uh, you climate know, change. climate change. Yeah. They're like, I don't know. And I appreciate their willingness to talk it through. Yeah. If there's one thing that I just feel uh, collectively shameful for um, is the is the debt that we are passing down to them, because you and I are going to be dead and buried until before we ever. Do you mean as a out. society? As a U.S. government? Yeah, as a I'm government. Talking about as a government, like it's and people say, well, if all we have to do is take a chunk of GDP, and it, it's not as overwhelming of a problem, but it's getting to the point where it's unbelievably ridiculous. Yeah, it's rough. Um, so. So anyway, read the article, see what you think. Um, I thought it was very thought provoking. I appreciate my friend Annie for sending it to me, and I think that, you know. Our ability to be in relationship with people, if they be our partner, our children, our neighbors, our coworkers, what, that, I don't think there's anything better than relationships with other people. It keeps us alive and healthy and thriving. Right, Todd? That's right. Isn't that the best predictor of longevity is connection? The best predictor, oh no, no, uh, the quality <laughs> of our life is dependent upon the quality of our relationships. Amen. That's the bottom line. Keep trucking, everybody. If you have appreciated or enjoyed a decade of Zen Parenting Radio podcasts, please tell a friend or leave a five-star review. We are grateful for your support. If you want more Zen Parenting, consider joining Team Zen Circle, our very own app that includes our virtual community, exclusive content, and support from us. 
You could also purchase Kathy's award-winning book, Zen Parenting, Caring for Ourselves and Our Children in an Unpredictable World, or subscribe to Zen Parenting Moment. You can find these opportunities and more at zenparentingradio.com slash resources. And if you want to connect through social networking, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Keep trucking, and we'll talk to you again next week.